Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case file 34, Casey Tyner and TJ Steele. Welcome back. Hi, what's your name? Do you come here often? Maybe. <laughs> You're my sister. You can't do that. That's weird. That is kind of weird. So I'm Carrie. And I'm Brittany. And we're Lone, Lone Star 187. Back Yo. for another episode. So this one, super, super cool. All right. This one, it takes place in Grand Mary, Texas. Which is one of our favorite places. We've been there many times. I've been there with other people as well. Um, we just went there. We were there Fourth of July weekend. Mm-hmm. We had a little tiny uh, lake house. With and some great adventures. We had fun. Um, so anyway, Granbury is about 90 miles southwest from here. It's about, uh, population is like 8,000. And for people that are nerdy Star Wars people like me, Peter Mayhew, who was the British actor that played Chewbacca, used to live in Granbury. Very cool. So, all right, let's get into it. This case is about a young couple, very much in love. The girl's name was Casey Tyner, and the guy's name is TJ, was TJ Steele. Uh, I found out about this story from the show on ID called The Lies That Bind. Have mm. you ever heard of that one? I have not. They're, they don't have a whole lot of episodes, but this episode is entitled Before Vegas. So um, this is how I found out about it. So Casey was born in 1983, and TJ was born in 81. Uh, they met in the summer of 2000. Casey was just about to turn 17. And of course, like every other teenager her age, she thought she was an adult and can do what she wanted to do. And, you know, like most moms, her mom was like, yeah, no, you're not grown. Uh, she and TJ met at a party. According to Casey's mom, whose name is Peggy, um, she really didn't know at first that Casey and TJ were dating. Uh, because Casey didn't bring him over in the beginning. I think just because she was afraid that her mom would approve. Because so they're three years apart. So she was almost 17 and he was almost 20. Hmm. So he was 19. And I think she thought, mm, he's 19. I'm not. Mom may not approve. So eventually Peggy did get to meet TJ. And of course she thought he was a great guy. Casey and TJ were head over heels in love. They were inseparable. Uh, TJ was a good guy. His Her mom said that. When she met him, he didn't drink, he didn't smoke, he was a good driver. I don't really know why she thought that was important to say, but I guess he wasn't like a crazy NASCAR driving kind of crazy guy. Well, and just wanted to, I'm sure as a mom, you know, you want to be sure whoever's going to be driving your child around should be responsible and doesn't have a long list of speeding tickets. Right. You know, has Mm -hmm. a reliable vehicle, doesn't have a lead foot. Fair enough. Should it be a Gathright then? Because there's that. Well, and especially that this is this is her daughter, her sixteen year old mm-hmm. daughter. So it's it's you can never be too careful, obviously. And so they they also interviewed Heather Steele, who was Casey's sister, and her take on um, TJ is she said that she called him a vampire because he had really really light skin, but he wore all black clothing. He wasn't really a goth person, but he had like, I, I mean, his closet probably looked like mine, dark jeans, all black t shirts. But she said he had super, super blonde hair. So he looked like a vampire. I mean, like they kiddingly called him a vampire, but his hair was super blonde. They're like, excuse me, did you try out for Twilight? Yeah. She thought that was funny that like people called him a vampire, but he had like really, really blonde hair. Uh, He had like big black combat boots and sometimes wore a trench coat. So she could see how some people might think he was goth, but she said he was a a really good guy and she got along with him well. So... He didn't like, TJ didn't like living in Granbury. He wanted to like get out. He hated it. And he changed quite a bit after he met Casey because everything was about her. He didn't like, there were even groups of his friends that he stopped hanging out with just so he could be with her. It was almost unhealthy mm-hmm. how much time they were like, they were together all the time. Like mm-hmm. wherever he was, she was and vice versa. And everything he said and did, he considered her and it was. They just really, really loved each other. <clears throat> and then TJ's mom, her name is Lynette. 
So Lynette, TJ's mother, said they were a really cute couple, and she remembered the first time she ever met Casey and said that she was very, very, very shy, which was the complete opposite of TJ. And in fact, she said the first time that she was introduced to Casey, Casey kind of hid behind TJ like she was afraid to meet his mom. And she said in the documentary, she's like, well, honey, that's not going to work. You're going to have to meet me at some point. So let's just go ahead. and <laughs> It's kind of inevitable. Yeah. So just rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah. She did come out of her shell and they she did get to know Casey. So they, they were, they got along and everything. But it was funny how she said she was just really, really, really shy. Crazy how you end up with um, people that are the complete opposite of you sometimes. Mm-hmm. We are in August summer in texas again of course here we go august of when august 7th of 2000 okay okay so it's a monday morning about 6 15 casey's out front in the front yard and her mom was leaving for work Uh, peggy told her daughter be careful today have fun and i'll see you tonight so she gave casey a hug and kissed her on the forehead and got her car and drove to work why does that make me want to cry yeah yeah, well, obviously, if we're doing a story, it's not a good ending, right? I know. It's just the I way. Know. I know. You have a daughter. I have a daughter. It's, yeah. I have daughters. It's, it's fucked up. You yeah. Just you that. just don't know the, when you kiss and hug someone if it's going to be the last time. I hope it's not. You hope it's not. And you don't want to be that mom where you think that every time. No. Because then but you it's never the rea- go anywhere. <laughs> You're like, no, you can't go. It's not we are never time. saying goodbye. Yeah. We're doing everything where are you together. Going? I'm going with you. You can't go without me. Um, so later that evening... Peggy gets home from work. Did you burp and talk at the same time? I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that in there. I'm she just roll right rolled right there. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Pardon me. It happens. It's a, I mean, you know, these microphones are probably going to pick up a lot more than yours. So we okay. should be careful. All right. Mom gets home from work later that evening. Casey didn't show up for supper, which Peggy wasn't too concerned because sometimes she stayed around, stayed out with TJ and didn't come home until late. Um, but then by time for everybody to go to bed, she was starting to get a little bit concerned because she wasn't home and she hadn't heard from her yet. And in 2000 was before a Not lot of social media well, and, and cell phones. It, and some people didn't have cell phones, right? Because I, I, I graduated in 2003 and I was 17 then. So she was just a couple years older than me and I didn't get my own cell phone until I could afford it on my own. And that yeah. was like... When I was 18. Yeah. So she didn't have a cell phone. No. So you'd have there's no like, I can't check her location or go find a phone to actually check in. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually when Casey wasn't around, she was with TJ. So her mom, even though she was worried, she thought, well, she's with TJ. It'll it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But when she wasn't home by bedtime, she called uh, their friend, a friend of Casey and TJ's named little Ray. um, And TJ or Casey weren't there. He hadn't seen them. Um, so there was another couple by the name of Robbie and Belinda that Casey and TJ hung out with sometimes. They had barbecues and parties together. Um, and she called them because Robbie and Belinda were getting ready to go to Vegas. So her mom thought, well, maybe she's over there helping them pack. or And she knew that they were also planning like a going away party because I guess Robbie and Belinda were going to move to Vegas Mm -hmm. permanently. So she knew they were going to be throwing a going away party. She thought, well, maybe I have my nights mixed up and the party's tonight. Or maybe they're helping them get the party, get the house ready for the party. Mm -hmm. Um, But she dismissed it. She thought, well, again, she's with TJ, so I'm not going to worry about it. So then Tuesday morning rolls around. Casey's still not home. And she Mm -hmm. hasn't heard from her. So at this point, her mom's starting to think back on any exchanges they had before this all happened. And she remembered that she's like, oh, she's mad at me. Because on the Sunday, they had gone shopping. And Casey wanted this really expensive pair of shoes that her mother couldn't afford. And she said, um, you are not, you can't get them unless you're going to buy them yourself. I can't afford it. And so Casey was upset about that. And so she thought, well... Maybe this is Casey's way of showing me that she's still pissed about the shoes. Because at this point, she's just trying to figure it out, right? Well, and she's not going to think about worst case scenario. I mean, it's always in the back of your mind as a mom, I think. Right. You don't want to go there. Right. right? Until you have evidence. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, okay, so Tuesday evening, her mom gets off work. Still no word. Did she go to school? She's calling everyone. Nobody has seen them. Maybe school hasn't started yet. No, Tuesday evening after 
Oh, maybe not. No, it's in the summer. Yeah, yeah it's so, in the summer. Okay. Oh, so I was going to say, because if she didn't yeah. show up to school. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. So, she saw her Monday morning, but she hasn't seen her Monday night. Nothing on Tuesday. So, Wednesday after work, she drives out to the friend Little Ray's house to just see if they were there. She stopped. Nobody. They weren't there. She stopped at a, co- a couple of other friends' houses. No one has seen or heard from them. So now it switches over, and this is all from the documentary. I did find a little bit online, but I got almost every bit of this from that episode of The Lies at Vine because it had more stuff than anywhere mm-hmm. else that I'd read. So now they're, they flip back to Lynette, and so she's starting to talk about her son, saying that he was a mama's boy, and she always knew where he was. He always let her know where he was, where he was going, when he was coming home. And she said, up until this point, she talked to him every day, and there was never a time where she didn't know where he was. After the second day, she was also worried. She said there was a strange comment that he made to her the last time she saw him. He said, Mom, you know I can hide in this town, and you'll never know where I'm at. And mm. she said, well, why, why would you want to do that? And he said, well, I won't. Um, and she said, well, I got to go pick up your sister. He followed her out of the house, and that's the last time that she saw him. Now it's switching back to Peggy, Casey's mom. And at this point, Casey's starting to get a little, I mean, Peggy's starting to get aggravated because it's, why are you causing me this worry? Like, you're, mm-hmm. I know you're okay. I know you're somewhere here in town. And at this point, I think she had herself convinced that she, that Casey wasn't coming home because she was upset. She's like, just let me know, right? At least just a phone call or password through a friend of a friend to me to just say, look, I'm okay, I'm pissed, I need some time, or whatever, right? Just let me know you're okay. But that aggravation is only short-lived because then you just immediately go to worry because your mom and you haven't seen her and it's your daughter, and this is when you start mm-hmm. thinking of all the bad things that have could have happened. So a week later, we're at August 14th. Still no word from either one of them. Oh, my God. Uh, TJ's mom gets a call from the police saying they found TJ's car and they told her to come down and claim it. They found it in a ditch by a creek. Um, and she's thinking, wow, TJ loved that car. He never would have left it here on this, the side of this, in this ditch. It was all dirty. And um, and at the point when she got there to get it, the, the cop had already gotten into the car and backed it up out of the ditch so she could get to it easier. And so the keys were in it. Okay, yeah. The, the policeman moved the car. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand. And they, I under- let her, they let the mom come get it. They didn't take it. Well, I understand the police at this point don't know the kids are missing because they haven't filed a police report, right? They no. haven't said they're missing. But wouldn't it be odd that a car with no one around is now just kind of left there? And with then the keys in it. And when you contact the mom, she's like, oh, like she's surprised. Wouldn't you be like, hmm, maybe we should take pictures, maybe get some fingerprints before you move it. Mm-hmm. Or when she gets there, you'd be like, why would your, was your son drinking and driving? What's going on? Oh, he's, I haven't seen him in a week. Oh, you haven't? Now it's a crime scene. Mm-hmm. You know? None but no, that. I'm going to get in. I'm going to back it up and move it for the mom. And then I'm going to let her get in it. And drive it. And destroy any evidence. Mm-hmm. Classy. Yeah. Frustrating, for sure. So his mom... Um, the, the, after she tells them, look, he's been missing for a week, they bring her in and they're questioning her. And she keeps saying to them, you know, every way, everything about the car and the way it was left isn't right. He would never leave his car in the area like that. He would never leave the keys in there. Um, she At that point, I think she knew something bad had happened. So she felt like just an anchor had dropped. Like she was three weeks later because August 21st, two weeks wow, later. Three weeks so did they not file a missing persons report when they found the car? Hold on. Okay. Nope. August 21st, Peggy officially reports her daughter missing. And the juvenile investigator that the mom reported it to just thought Casey was probably a runaway. And at some point that she's in the area somewhere, she just doesn't want to, she's mad at her mom and doesn't want to be there. And I'm sure Peggy told the officer that this is what she thought too, but she just wanted to go ahead and file the report. She hasn't seen or heard from her, and so so she filed a report. And at this point, um, Peggy really didn't believe she was missing. She thought that maybe they went ahead and went on to Vegas and just didn't tell anybody. So she's thinking either she's here in town avoiding me or they went ahead and split to Vegas and she doesn't want to tell me. But there's no evidence, no bodies, there's nothing. 
Um, but TJ's mom kept saying, my son would not just run off like that and not tell me. So something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so she also, TJ's mom also filed a missing report for her son on the same day. So they both filed him on the same day, on the 21st. So then Peggy starts going back around. This is Casey's mom asking her friends more. Look, it's been this long. I need to know. Like, Do you know anything? And so most of the friends said that they just believed that uh, Casey and TJ just ran off together. They were in love. They just ran off. So the juvenile detective officer goes to talk to Belinda's mother, whose name is Sandra, who had confirmed that Robbie and Belinda had already gone to Vegas. They did go, but just not with TJ and Casey weren't with them. Um, so who was the last people to actually see them? Just their parents? At this point, it seems like the parents. Okay. Right, because... Peggy saw her daughter that morning Mm -hmm. and Lynette saw her son that afternoon. And that's it. And that's it. Or maybe not that that afternoon, but like they both saw their kids on that Monday morning before, like it was early in the morning Mm -hmm. and they both went to work or did what they had to do. And then they never came back after that. So at this point in the story, we don't know. We find out later, but right now we don't know. But they confirmed that Casey and TJ were not with them. When the detective leaves Belinda's mother's house, she has a really strong feeling that that she wasn't telling the truth. Belinda says we did not take them because Casey was underage and we weren't going to take a minor across state line. But they okay. said this a couple of times in the documentary, and I thought, is there a lot? I mean, I guess because she was a minor and because TJ was an adult, maybe that would seem like kidnapping or something. But I I, I know there's probably a law about taking a minor across state lines. I've never heard of that. I think there is. But I mean, I know like. Obviously, like in divorces, they can't. It's in the divorce decree that you can't. I mean, like it's in mine that says you can't take my child across state line without my permission. But even then, um, if it's her boyfriend, why would that be? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, people travel all the time. I know. It just, it sounded weird because. It sounds like a loophole they found. Or like they write it somewhere and they Mm -hmm. keep, because it's the girl, uh, Belinda, that says Which was her friend. Their friend. Yeah. Okay. The friend, the couple friend. Mm-hmm. And Belinda also says, like, they were inseparable. You know, TJ and Casey were madly in love. Um, but Belinda was older than the rest of them. So Belinda and Robbie were dating and Casey and TJ were dating. So they all hung out together. But Belinda was older than the rest of them. And said that TJ used to kid Robbie about, she thinks she's your mother. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that means because she was older. She was like, we can't do that. Yeah, she's we the mom of the group. across state lines or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So she was the mom of the group. And, and she said that aggravated her a lot. And she would get frustrated with Robbie because she felt like he needed to stand up for her. Like, I'm your girlfriend. Don't let people make fun of me like mm-hmm. that. But I think they all, maybe not her, but everybody else laughed. I think it's funny. <laughs> Mom's here. We can't have fun. Oh, great. Thanks, Mom. Don't bring Mom. (laughs) Um, So Belinda worked at a nursing home, and she worked the night shift, which was from 10 o'clock at night till 6 in the morning. And so the normal routine was that Robbie, TJ, and Casey would drop her off at work at 10 o'clock at night. They would hang out, do whatever, and then they would go pick her up in the morning. Yeah, because Mom's away. They can do whatever they want. Right. And then so when (laughs) she got off work, they would go pick her up. Um, And she said that day, nothing seemed out of the ordinary, the usual stuff. They hung out for a little bit. They take her to work. Everybody says bye. Except this time they didn't show up to pick her up for work the next morning. So she saw them that night at 10, whatever, right Mm -hmm. before they take her to work. They hung out. And then, so this is the day they went missing. Okay. Okay. She's standing outside at work, waiting for them to get there, waiting for them to get there, getting frustrated. It's hot. She worked all night. And working in a nursing home is not easy. No. And it's like, so she waits like 15 minutes for them to come. She sat outside. Nobody showed up. So she called her mom to come get her, but nobody answered. So she just started walking. So she gets about, she said she got about a half a mile down the road from the nursing home and her mom pulled up to pick her up. So she gets in the car and she says she's hot and tired and sweaty and pissed because, but all she wanted to do was go home and go to sleep. So they turn on, she called it Peak Road, and she said, wait, Mom, is that Robbie walking? And it was. Hmm. So they stopped to pick him up. She's like, WTF, he left my ass outside in the damn heat. Uh, So she's like, "What, what the hell? And he's like, well, I was walking because TJ and I got in an argument, and he kicked me out of his car and told me to walk home. Rude. And it's hot. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and, and he like didn't six thirty in the morning. He didn't think to go tell Belinda, like exactly. Hey, I mean, or anybody for that matter, right? Well, at least Belinda, because she's waiting on them to pick her mm-hmm. up. Hmm. But he's walking, so and he doesn't have a phone. So how's he supposed to let her know that he can't be there? He's supposed to up? walk to the nursing home, right? Maybe that's what he was doing. He was oh, I there, see, I see. Right. Earlier in the story, we talked about there being a going away party for Belinda and Robbie moving to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Sometime between after they pick up Robbie. Walking down the street, mm-hmm. and in this point, they have the going away party. Okay. Um, and so Casey and TJ are missing, but not everybody knows yet, right? Because this is between when they went missing on the 7th and before the mom filed a missing persons report, right? Okay, got so it. So a few people know, but not everybody knows, right? Sure. So, so there's no mass hysteria that they're missing, missing. At this they're just point, like, well, no, really. we haven't really heard from them. We don't know where they're right. at. Right. I mean, the parents are probably freaking out, but I think their friends are like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Right. So Belinda and Robbie have their party. All of their friends showed up except for TJ and Casey. So Belinda's thinking, wow, I I think that's really, really shitty for them not to come and say goodbye. I mean, no matter how mad you are at whatever you and TJ got in, or you and Robbie got in an argument about, you could at least show up to our Well, maybe Casey was upset that she was a minor. And could go across state lines. Maybe. And she's like, the your ass didn't invite me to Vegas. So I'm saying my ass <laughs> in Texas. Not, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't appreciate. So there were several days where Belinda and Robbie didn't really know. But fast forward a little bit. When Belinda and Robbie do finally go to Vegas, mm-hmm. they're there for several days. Um, that's whenever they find out, okay, they've actually been reported missing. So Belinda's mom calls her in Vegas and says, hey, look. TJ and Casey, both of their parents have filed missing persons reports. So this would be sometime during the week of the 21st? Sometime, yeah. Okay. Yeah, or maybe the week after at some Mm -hmm. point. Yeah, sometime in between there. So now we're going to fast forward to September. So now they've been missing for, what, six or seven weeks? A month and a half or so? Yeah. Dang. Um, So the criminal criminal investigators decide to go back to Belinda's house. They're like... We felt like they were lying, like the parent, the mom was lying, so we're going to go back. So they go back and look. I mean, the kids would hang out there at night, uh, so they just wanted to check everything out, see if maybe they could find some evidence. They went through the house, and they found nothing, absolutely nothing, everything checked out. So they decided to go back and talk to all their friends from school. Most everybody thought that TJ and Casey just ran off together. That's just what everybody kept saying. And... um. They would have literally had to have run off, right? Because the yeah. car is still there with keys in it. The car is there with the keys are in you it. in an OFT run off? Are you in an OFT? <laughs> you went to go get bonafide. <laughs> um, and some of Casey's friends were telling her, Casey's mom, Peggy, that there was a rumor that Casey was pregnant and she was worried about how her mom was going to react to that. So she. You know, talked to TJ's mom, and TJ's mom was like, I really don't think so, but, I mean, there's, how do you know? You don't really know. Well, and this would have been Casey's probably junior year, right? And TJ's senior year? Uh, well, no, or I think. Or would have been his, her, her senior, senior year. And he was already graduated. So, obviously, like. Not her senior, her junior. Her junior. Yeah. And then, they, I'm sure they're probably like, she wants to go to school. This doesn't seem right. Yeah. So, even if she was pregnant or something, I mean, school, at least, she would go to. She's got to have education. Yeah. Hmm. I don't it's know. very weird. Yes. Uh, but Belinda says later on that Casey did think she was pregnant. And this, this was before they became missing. And did take a test. And she said the results did show like a really, really faint line. So I think Casey thought, well, if it's, if it's too faint, I'm not pregnant. And Belinda was like, honey, a line is a line. If there's a line, you are pregnant. <laughs> um and nobody, so the only people that knew that were Robbie and Belinda, mm-hmm. as far as they knew. As far as they knew, nobody else knew that secret. So and so the investigators are saying, you know, usually when you have a situation like this where you have a 16-year-old girl dating a 19-year-old young man, um, you usually look at the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Because usually that's, sorry, stats are going to show that it's usually the boyfriend or a friend of a boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that made TJ kind of suspicious in the investigator's eyes is that he was really into knives. He had a major fascination with samurai swords. Um, so they were like, okay, so let's let's call his mom and see if any of his swords are missing. So they call the they call Annette, they're like, hey, are any of his swords missing? And she was like, no, I don't see any. 
Um, but after a couple of days, she called back and said, the smallest sword is missing. Mm. I went back and looked, and there is one that's missing. But So no. did she not go look the first time? I guess she just assumed. Maybe she f- remembered another spot that he okay. kept it and wanted to check that other spot. It didn't really go into details about why she decided to go back and look. I hope that didn't make a noise. We'll see. Okay, so now we're into November. So they've been missing for three months. Still oh no gosh. leaves, no... No evidence, nothing. So they decide to put an article in the Hood County newspaper about the missing teens, hoping to get some information. Maybe somebody saw something. And they did get a lot of responses about, I saw them here, I saw them there, but nothing nothing was credible. Nothing turned out to be to get them anywhere. Did they not think to go look up in the mountains in, like, Colorado because he's a vampire and maybe he just needed to get out of this Texas <laughs> sun? serious for a minute? I was like... Wow, that's a stretch. Why, how would you go from like Colorado? <laughs> or actually, before you the, got vamp- Colorado, the vampires live in like, Washington. Granbury doesn't have mountains, honey. Oh, I know. But I mean, I would think like maybe dredge the lake. What is that bad? I mean, no. Well, and <clears throat> I I understand that he's. I hate when they stereotype him because I mean, I know. look at us. Like if one if someone in our family went missing, what would they come to us? Because we like. Serial killers and true crime be like, oh, we see you have a podcast here and you have blood splattered coffee mugs and you have pictures of Michael in your house and something's not right here. And if so, they went in my closet like, oh my God, she's got she's got combat boots, <laughs> all of look all these black fucking t-shirts. Look, she's got a fake, what is that knife that was in my cake that you guys got me? Like oh, a, yeah. a fake Jason knife. Yeah, with fake blood and in it. Oh my god, she listens to metal. Oh, she's 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 a, she's a Satanist. She's got a skull. She's tattoo. got Motley Crew 666 shit on her iPod. <laughs> Called the death metal. Yeah. I would be a target. Yeah. That's fine because I'm clean. Go I ahead. know, but I just Come don't. at me. I just, but it sucks. You're it right. does suck. And, and I understand stats again. Like, But it, if he had threatened someone with a knife before, I mean, look at how many people love guns. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, they're fascinated by them. That doesn't make them a killer. Mm-hmm. I do hate that too, though. You know? Stereotypes. I mean, he liked black and combat boots. It's just his style. And then they also, one of the investigators said that they... Um, some of his friends said that he would do spooky stuff to his classmates, like say he put hexes on them and curses on them. But most of it seemed like he was doing it to be funny. He seemed like a really funny guy. And, and even though he might've been involved, he was mostly likely involved with people that did that as well, but maybe they took it more seriously than he did is what they found out. And so they interviewed Casey's sister. One of the things in the documentary, Casey's sister, I don't remember what did I, did I tell you? Heather? Anyway, she, she talks about um, some of the stuff they used to do, like when the movie Scream came out, TJ went and got one of the masks and a cape, and they would go in the woods and they would play the game called Scream. And so everybody would hide and run, but one person would have a knife and chase them around like they were like getting killed. Oh my like, God. But they all did it in fun. Like nobody was scared. Right. Nobody and I'm sure it wasn't a hurt. real knife. No. And I mean, even if it was. Well, you should be careful. Well, you should be careful. Running in the woods with a knife. Reenacting the movie. I mean, yeah. The movie was like you've seen it. Oh yeah. I could see myself doing that. I mean, it would be a fun a game, knife. not with a real knife. Fake Jason knife. I would use like a lightsaber or something. So you could like, you know, the ones that are like collapsible. Yeah. <laughs> and you could like grab them, and they would like, you know. And but would I mean, she cr- said it was all in fun. So, but these well, and that's things... that's not that should that's not one person. That's a whole group of people. So exactly. if he's sick, they're all sick, right? Um, but nobody of all of the people that they interviewed about him, no one said he was a bad person. Everybody thought that he, um, was a really good guy. Um, one of his friend James said that, you know, he would, he never saw him hurt anybody and that most people just misunderstood TJ. I think they made assumptions based on the way he dressed. And Mm -hmm. like you said, stereotypes, they made assumptions about him and just put him in that category. And that's where he stayed, unfortunately. And I can see like if people, let's just say that. He maybe threatened other people. How he treated Casey is what matters, you know, because look at like the BTK killer. I mean, he had a wife and a daughter that he came home to all the time after he would rape and kill these women. So just because he may have felt that way about strangers or other people doesn't mean that he would have hurt her, Mm -hmm. especially if her mom felt that safe with him you know yeah. like how you feel about Bryn and and ubi you know that she's safe with him you know yeah. savannah and gus they're safe you know that doesn't mean that just because they're like that with other people means they'd be that with the person that they love yeah not but he they don't have any there are no 
situations or circumstances that they can anybody can recall where TJ did do anything mean to anybody. So he was mm-hmm. like the hexes and the curses. I think that was a joke. It's like that thing happened. Right. But still, I mean, I, I, th- I think it's just crazy. Peggy decides to make a bunch of flyers with uh, Casey and TJ's picture on them. And she first took them to the police station and asked them to put one in each of the officers' little mailbox thing on their desk. Mainly just so that it would be in the forefront. They would mm-hmm. see it every day. And as a reminder, look, my daughter is still missing. I haven't heard from her. I know you guys are doing your best, but like, don't just don't forget, mm-hmm. I think is the, what she the main reason she did it. TJ's mom, Lynette, would also help. And so she would take him to gas stations and places. But she said she stopped doing it because every time she would put one of them up, somebody would deface TJ's picture. Oh, no. By putting like glasses on him or horns or just cross him out. And it was too painful, so she just stopped. Yeah, doing I can that. understand that. That's shitty. That is shitty. Like that's someone's Come child. On, grow up. I know. At the I, end of the day, how you feel about them, someone loves them, and they're a person. They're a human being, and they're missing. It's not like they're. I, I don't know. I just think it's immature. I mean, it is I very can much be really so immature. But if I saw that, that would piss me off too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even as even if I saw a missing poster. I'm not directly connected to that person. It would piss me off if somebody defaced that person. In fact, if I'd been his mom, I might have like put them and hid out and waited to find oh, out who did. I know 100% you would. Hell yeah. Stay gone. Because I'd be in the passenger seat. Donuts. <laughs> donuts and coffee. Come on. They're, they're poor moms. Like they're spending all of their extra time trying to find their kids. Right. I mean, Peggy was saying like after work. She spent all evening trying to talk to people on the weekends, just walking around looking for her daughter. And she said that um, Casey loved the carnival. So when the carnival would come to down to town, Peggy would go to the carnival and she would hang out at the rides that she knew Casey liked, just hoping to see her. And even mm-hmm. if she didn't talk to her, just see her and know she's okay. I have chills right now. Isn't that sad? Like that becomes your life, you know? Because mm-hmm. it's like once you become a mom... That job never goes away. No. Even if they go away physically, like you, you're still a mom, right? Mm -hmm. And so you still want to treasure their memory or you still want answers. Yeah. You know, on to why things had to be a certain way because that job never. sleep? Like, I don't know how I would sleep. I think out of pure exhaustion. I think it would be able to work. I I guess you have to to pay your bills so that you can keep looking for them. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'm sure you probably, a lot of people switch their jobs so that it goes into so it lines up with what yeah, or they make do. foundations where they're non, you know, they're charity organizations where they can get still get money, yeah. but spend all day looking for their child. Yeah, it's just heartbreaking. Okay, so January of two thousand one. Oh my gosh, what yeah, is that? Almost, like almost a year. Mm-hmm, almost a year. Um, the investigators get a call. There's an inmate at the jail claiming to know something that happened, something about what happened to them. So nobody was concerned about the car and where it was? and At this point, no. Okay. No. Yeah, I know. I agree. Pretty shysty. Um, um, so they get this. They get the inmate. They bring him to the interrogation room. He don't want to talk about that case. He wanted to talk about his own. What a jerk. And he wasn't going to give them any information until they talked about his. So it was just, it didn't lead to anything. He didn't know anything about them. It was just an opportunity to get in front of the investigators to try to get them to, I know in the documentary, there's a picture of him. It shows him like in his black and white striped prison mm-hmm. uniform and he's on video. But anyway, he didn't know anything. It was he probably just, just looked up unsolved mm-hmm. cases. Or maybe and... he heard somebody else in the prison talking about it mm-hmm. and decided, oh, I'm going to act like I know. Not, I mean... <laughs> How he thought that was going to work, I don't know. But He probably thought they would agree to the terms, and then he would just BS his way through it. Maybe. Maybe. And at that point, it didn't matter what he said because his deal was sealed. He I mean, mm-hmm. he should know better. They're not going to. They're criminals. Yeah. Well, and the investigators aren't going to give him anything until he gives them something first. That's how that works. Yeah, I watched in Sense of Anarchy a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> you have to give them something before they'll do yeah. anything, like even a burger. Sorry. All right, yeah. yeah. I'll go get that burger as soon as you sign this, that you that what you just said is mm-hmm. accurate, and I'm going to verify it's accurate, and then you'll get your burger. Okay, so now we're in August of 2002, so it's been two years since they've been missing. Okay? And nothing. Nothing. Um, but in August of 2002, Belinda comes forward to tell them, to tell the investigators that she has something to tell them about Robbie, who she's no longer with. Okay. Okay. She felt like Robbie knew what happened to Casey and TJ, 
She tells them that he lied all the time, uh, that he conned her. He was very charming and intelligent, but she caught him in way too many lies. Um, he told her he'd been in the military and that he was honorably discharged. Um, so she found his papers, and as she read them, she realized he was dishonorably discharged because he was a danger to himself and others around him. Mm-hmm. Yes, how about that? So, of course, uh, now he's a person of interest, right? So of they start tracking him down. They find him uh, living with his dad in Louisiana. And so he agrees to come back to Texas. So they bring him in and they question him and they have to let him go because they have no evidence, no probable cause, no bodies. Wouldn't it have been a little nothing. bit too soon to talk to him? What do you mean, too soon? I mean, they didn't have anything on him, but no. now they've spooked him. Now they've spooked him, but like, what what else were they supposed to like? Until they talk to him to get some kind of information, That's they true. have nothing. Yeah. So, I'm sure their their hope is that well, maybe he'll give us something because mm-hmm. you know we have nothing right now, right? So they let him go, and they ask him, "Hey, before you go, will you take a polygraph test?" He blew him off and said he'd come back and do it, and then he never didn't did. show up. They can't do anything. They have nothing. Now we're in December, December 3rd, 2005. What is that? Like five years? Yeah. Five and a half years almost? Almost like five years and a couple of months because it was August of 2000. Okay. In Somerville County, which is about 15 miles from Granbury, police officers get a call from some seismic workers that were doing some natural gas research um, and they found some human bones. Oh, God. Mm Mm-hmm. So the officers get there. They find a human skull sitting on top of the dirt. Um, They also find a pair of blue jeans and a partial driver's license with TJ's name on it. Oh, no. I want to cry. So they're thinking, all right, well, if this is TJ, because they're familiar with the case, then Casey's got to be around here somewhere. So they're, they're doing more searching, and they go around like a corner, and they find Casey's skull, which they said had a nick at the base of it for like a sharp edged weapon. Um, they found what they were believed, believed to be her pants, a necklace, and they found a sword with the handle broken off. Casey's mom's, Casey's dad calls her mom and says, Peggy, you need to come home right now. And she's like, why did y'all find Casey? And he says, just come home. So when she gets home, they tell her they found her. And of course she's fell off the couch. Yeah, I just got chills. She said she cried for three days straight. Uh, and, of course, they go to tell Lynette, TJ's mom. And, of course, she also fell to the ground and trying to deal with, you know. I mean, the, I'm sure it's, every it's a reality. you hope that they're going to come home. And so you haven't really accepted the fact that they might be dead. Like you, I'm sure it's in the back of your mind, but you still, when you hear it, it's final. And mm-hmm. then you know, right? Well, then, like, you lose, you lose not your purpose in life, but what you've been going at hardcore for five years is now over in an instant. Mm-hmm. And so now and what know, do you... And you still don't know. Like, you, f- they found them. But, like, I'm sure they were like, well, what? who did it? Well, yeah. they don't know. Well, and even then, like, once the dust settles and the everything's found out, like, what what do you fill your extra time with then? Because you, it was to find your child. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So uh, the police call Belinda and ask her to take a polygraph test. And when they're testing her, they ask her if she believes that he did it. Um, And she says she does. She's like, I have no proof, but like, I believe he was involved somehow. And she said that at one point he did tell her in the past, like if he ever wanted to kill somebody, the people, if he killed them, they would never be found. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they start showing Belinda pictures of what they found. And she lost it because she recognized the necklace as belonging to Casey. And said the sword originally belonged to TJ, but that Robbie loved that sword for a really long time. And so TJ gave it to Robbie for his birthday. Oh, my God. What a piece of shit. What a piece of shit for damn sure. After this conversation with Belinda, the U.S. Marshals finally track Robbie down and they bring him back to Somerville County. So uh, in October of 2006, his name is Robbie Buttry. (laughs) I was trying really hard to be mature. Um, so he's arrested and of course he claims he's innocent and unfortunately all the evidence is circumstantial. They have no fingerprints. There's nothing. I mean, they said 
Belinda said that the sword was giving to given to Robbie, but if his fingerprints aren't, aren't on it, what can they do? Well, and it's been so, there for five, over five years, so yeah. there. I mean, any evidence will be washed and away I have by pictures now. Pictures of it, like it's all rusted. I mean, it's been out in the in the West Texas, hot, cold, hot, cold, mm-hmm. hot, cold. Well, not West Texas, but you know, yeah, Granberry, mm-hmm. so it's southwest from us. Um, the DA offers Robbie a deal and says, "Was plead guilty to two counts of murder." And we'll give you two concurrent five-year terms. And five years. Mm-hmm. So he took the plea. Five years. But the shitty part is that, yeah, because he took the plea, he didn't have to get on the stand. So he didn't have to tell them how he did it or why. He pleaded guilty to two counts of murder and was sentenced to two concurrent five-year terms. And with credit given for served for time that he served while he was awaiting trial... He was released in 2011. Seriously? Yes. And there's this, there's a, I have the link and we can put it on there. Um, the families created this um, petition and there's a bunch of good stuff on there. I will post the link to it. Um, so the families fought hard to get him to not, to not let them out, but, but they did anyway. Uh, so he'd only been behind bars for two years. He only served two years because of all the time he was waiting. Mm. So fucked up. The thing that her cousin was most upset about is she said, we know that she laid there for at least an hour, probably suffered and maybe was calling out. Mm, I can't, I can't, I can't without crying. Um, but no one knows for sure. There's so, such little evidence. There's, you can't prove exactly what happened. Um, and also those, the woods where they found them is close to Glen Rose. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Casey's mom, uh, she said that Christmas was Casey's favorite time of the year. So every Christmas, even while she was missing, they bought her gifts. And then after Christmas, they would put the gifts in her room and like slide them under her bed. So like she couldn't bring herself to stop doing that even. Um, so now all those are still in her. She can't do anything. Her daughter's room is just like she left it just with all the gifts in there that they bought her throughout the years. Okay. So August 14th of 2017. Is this where karma arrives? This is where karma, karma's like, yo. No, karma's like FBI, I'm kicking your fucking door down. Here I come. Okay. First responders are dispatched to a head-on collision on US 377. A Ford Escape was traveling on 377 on the inside lane. And then a RAV4 attempted to pass this Escape on the right and then cut cut in front of them, right? I guess Mm -hmm. they were in a hurry. In doing so, they clipped the bumper and caused that one to lose control and start going westbound and hit a black Ford Focus that was was driven by our friend, Robbie Buttry. Mm -hmm. You got it right up the Buttry? (laughs) (laughs) So it was basically a head-on collision. And when first responders got there... They pronounced him and unfortunately the other person in the car dead at the scene. He was 36 years old. That's what happens. You cut people's life short, your life gets cut short, unfortunately. But you know what's crazy is like how karma works and how fate happens. Like that person in the RAV4 that had, well, first it starts with whatever the Ford Escape was doing that was causing them to drive slow. And then whatever happened in the RAV4's life that made them feel they needed to pass this, whether they're getting somewhere or they're in a bad mood or they got in a fight. Yep. That they had to clip this person off, but be so upset that they couldn't, they didn't take into consideration that they didn't give enough room, which then caused them to just happen to go across the road, which just happened to be where he was driving, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just so crazy how fate works and how you don't know why something as small as Oh, my Starbucks order took 10 minutes longer. Yes. Yeah, because you have to be mad so that you go around this Ford Escape and you clip them. And cause throw that them, car to head on into a car you know, and like, going the opposite direction. And Starbucks order was late because their mobile order app was down. Right? Like, you know, it's like it's it crazy. just goes backwards and backwards and backwards where something that you do or a choice that you make, you have no idea how that why that happened because it may not affect you or someone no, you know. But there's a reason. But there's a reason down the line that something has to happen. We don't really know why he did it to them, but everybody is sure he did. What What is your... I believe he did it. I, I think, I don't really know if I understand his motivation, mm-hmm. but I feel like that that morning that she picked them, picked them up... Some people in, 
I read some stuff online. Most some people said that they thought he did it for money. That Robert Robbie needed the needed the money so that he robbed T, TJ and Casey. Maybe things went bad and he killed them, dumped them. Whether he killed them there and then came back, like that part, we don't really know mm-hmm. because there's a it's a 15 mile. Like I I don't know if I saved it, but I actually pulled up the map and put like a pointer where Granberry is a pointer where they found them and even a pointer where the wreck was. And it's like a, a triangle, but it's a pretty good distance. It's 15 miles where they found them from Granberry. So that's not a short drive. And maybe that's why he was late mm-hmm. because he was coming back and he did after he leave. ditched the car after he, yeah, after he did it, like he probably drove there and did it, drove the car back. He couldn't have done it in the car because they, they never yeah. really, if there had been blood inside the car, it would have been really obvious. Right. But, he probably did it outside, through the sword, through everything, left. Then he was late, like, fuck, what am I going to do? I'm just going to start walking. And then maybe then he fabricated a story. But I believe he did it. I believe he did it. Well, I mean, there, majority of the time when things like that happen, it's was around, it's done by someone you know mm-hmm. or someone that knew you, right? So what other reason in a small town like Granbury would two lovers need to be murdered and thrown out like that and just be happened to be found with the sword that was supposedly given to him? You know, that just doesn't, that that's not coincidence. And the thing is, it's like he went to the party, everything was fine. It didn't seem to bother him. And then after, and you know, I'm going to say this and I don't really care if anybody out there gets pissed off, but if Belinda really believed that he did it, why did she fucking wait until after they broke up? Why didn't she go tell them earlier? Why does she have to wait so long? I wouldn't be surprised if he told her and she got scared and was like, oh, I'm not saying shit. Maybe. I don't know. If she's older than him and she's the mother. I I don't believe for a second that she didn't know a lot sooner. She had to know sooner. I was like, girl, you waited that all that time. Mm -hmm. Like, did you immediately go to the cops when you found like, did she immediately find that he was lying and then go? Or did she know he was lying and then decided to go when they weren't together anymore? I think that the latter. I think I she think decided. So I think she was like, well, you know, we'll just, I don't want to be alone or whatever. We'll just make it work. And then once it was over, she's like, well, I have nothing to lose now if I turn him in, you know. It's shitty. I think that's the sad But maybe, she, maybe he didn't tell her completely because I do believe that if she knew where they were, whenever she told them, I think she would have said, like, he said he did it, and they're somewhere in this area. Yeah. I do believe that. Maybe she, maybe he just um, hinted around the fact that he did it, or maybe that he knew that they were gone. And so maybe she gave him all the evidence she could, but I do believe she knew a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. I think she could have come. And what was the point to go to moving to Vegas? Why did I, they want to do that? Really, they didn't really elaborate on that. And, in fact, when I first watched it for the first time, few minutes I was confused like are they just visiting Vegas are they actually going to move there and then I figured okay when they're having the going away party I guess they were planning to move there Mm -hmm. permanently and then do you think it was premeditated that's why it happened right before they went to Vegas potentially and maybe that was his way of like I'll kill them and I'll leave and then I couldn't have done it because they don't know exactly when they went missing right and then and I'm going to be out of state I wonder how much money he got out of them and what whether or not it was worth it. The only it motive, money, I don't think it was motive. I bet you he wanted his swords. You wanted all, but he. My sword. My sword. <laughs> maybe he, maybe he wanted his sword collection. But maybe then, he wanted the, the, wanted the swords. But then he, but he didn't even go and get them. And the one he used to kill them, he just left it there. That's true. The handle was broke off and it's all rusted. Who knows? I mean, I don't know what reason he would have to kill but two I young mean, kids. If he was dishonorably discharged from the military because he was a danger to himself and others, then it, maybe he didn't need any kind of motivation, like a tangible thing. Maybe mm-hmm. it was just something that he just had like a, like like Dexter, he just had a dark passenger and it was time to do the bidding. And then he just said, fuck it, I'm leaving. Yeah. Or maybe it was for Vegas anyway. So. Or maybe they asked questions about it. Or maybe they found out that he was maybe dis- dishonor. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. The boy found out, or was, or maybe talked to him about oh, the military, maybe, and maybe, maybe it they snapped him, him. Or something, and, and maybe it just snapped him because it's just the three of them, maybe right? They did get in an argument, and he just couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. And it was just, he had the knife; he did have the sword with him because I think I think Belinda does say that TJ. I don't know when his birthday, TJ's birthday was. I'm sorry, I don't know when Robbie's birthday was, but I know TJ gave it to him on his birthday. So maybe his birthday was that day. Maybe. And it, having the weapon there and then, maybe 
It was it all was, it needed. It was too easy for him to pass it up because he had he had them to himself mm-hmm. and he had a weapon and he's just if he's a danger to himself and others, then maybe he didn't do it any time before because he didn't have the opportunity and the weapon and everything mm-hmm. like right in front of him. Right. Right. Like laid out. He sounded kind of like a lazy, like a lazy one. Like Well, yeah. <sighs> I mean he left the he left the weapon there. And left the keys in the car. And even if they found his fingerprints in there, it wouldn't be a big deal because they were friends. Well, the, the nobody thought it was important to look at the car to begin that was with. The other thing. I and don't you, get that. I believe there had to be blood in there. That maybe there wasn't blood splatter, obvious blood splatter, but there could have been a couple of droplets. I mean, by by two thousand, they were they were doing forensic as far as like blood and blood splatter. And if you stabbed someone with a knife, even if you left it, there would be blood somewhere in that car yeah. somewhere. But because they didn't consider to take it in, you know, know. or even like a scuffle or, you know, if it's TJ's car, if they could prove that Robbie was driving, why were you driving it? Why would you need to drive? If TJ was with you, why would you need to drive it? Because, you know, he wasn't going to put the seat back, you know, or whatever. So that that car was like the smoking gun, but they just chose to not see it that way. And she came and got the car and she thought it was weird, but she did what they told her to do and. I think in the interview, she talks about she wished she'd done that differently. Like, she wished she'd been like, look, my son is missing. Can you, like... Don't touch it. Take it in. Can you take it, like, take it to the lab and go through this shit? Mm-hmm. What, tell me if you found Or the miles. You know, they could have ran the miles and been like, oh, well, he drove 15 miles one way, 15 miles back. Right? And then that would put him at the scene of the crime. Or at least of the dumping of the bodies. You know? And I don't know how they would have known because nobody had a phone. Like, how are they going to track oh, him? True, There's yeah. really no GPS. Right, so not having a lot of technology helped him, mm-hmm. unfortunately, for Casey and TJ. Not when he got the Ford Focus, it sure did not help him. I know. When I I found that part, I was like, are you kidding me? Is this really the guy? And I even like went through the YouTube comments to make sure that it really was him, and it, and it is really him. So he died on the highway in Texas by someone that hit him head on. Now, unfortunately, the person that hit him also passed away. I hate that. Mm-hmm. And the person that clipped, I think they just didn't really realize what happened. I think they just kept going. So they, well, yeah, because they, they were late to work. They didn't know order. They caused this giant. And I think they said the highway was shut down. And Yeah, it's crazy. All the little things that happened to make something happen. Yep. So that's the story. That's crazy. TJ and Casey. It's so sad, though. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. I feel sorry for her, their parents. Yeah, Absolutely. And even the person that was driving the other car, like, mm-hmm. I feel sorry because they were just. Or even the person with the RAV four. I mean, even if they didn't realize what yeah. they did, you know, and they look back like, oh my gosh, my five minutes of being completely, you know, irritated and having to, yeah, go around this car. Now I'm, I caused this. You know, I caused the death of two people. Okay, so that's the story. Rest in peace, Casey. Rest in peace, TJ. And rest in peace, the other person in the car that head on. Yes. Um, so that's a wrap. Oh, it's a good one. Thank you. All right. All right. We love you guys. Thanks again for the support. Hopefully this episode's going to sound better. Or we think we got our mics working good. So if it sounds weird or something's wrong, let us know. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you. Love you. <laughs>